Well, hello. Welcome to the Park Church Podcast. I know it's been uh, over a month since I've uh, been with you here, so I apologize for the delay. Um, but I do appreciate the feedback that I received. Actually, I'll be honest. I only heard from one of you after this episode that, that we did in December. But uh, Josh Shines, you get a shout out for sending me an email with some ideas for what to do with the podcast in 2019. And uh, so now I want everybody else to know who's listening. If you email me, not only will you get a shout out, but I might actually use your idea because that's Josh actually gave me some great ideas. And so we're following up on one of those today, uh, which was to do kind of a, a series preview whenever we enter a new book of the Bible. And so um, as many of you know, we started Exodus on Sunday. Um, and so Gary is here uh, in the podcast studio. It's kind of a a fancy uh, it's not as fancy as it sounds it's a it's an old room upstairs that yeah, I've, an outdated office <laughs> yes with good microphones <laughs> yes we at least have good microphones uh, but Gary's up here and uh, we're going to talk through a couple things with Exodus um, uh, why we decided to do the book uh, how it fits into the overall biblical narrative um, and then some specific themes that we see in Exodus and then we'll give you a couple resources to consider as we're spending the next couple months in this book so yeah, thanks for uh, good. thanks for coming up. Um, yeah, let's let's just start there. What what are you excited about with this book? Why did we decide to do it? And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I I am excited about it, but to be honest with you, I think that excitement has grown even in the past few weeks. I mean, it was a couple years ago we were talking about where we're at as a church and uh, where we're at uh, as a body in the mission God's called us to in the city and just realizing a lot of people in our church are familiar with Christianity, but actually pretty disconnected from the biblical narrative, mm. pretty unaware of the relationship between us today in the 21st century living here in Denver. And what does that have to do with the old Testament? And so trying to help people understand really the, the broader flow of, of the word of God, yeah. the broader flow of the people of God. So we decided to do Genesis last spring. So in the spring of 2018, we did Genesis uh, which is really just kind of we we're kind of talking about laying a foundation for what it means to be the people of God, and uh, and we tend to go kind of like a New Testament book of the Bible and then an Old Testament book of the Bible back and forth, preaching through books with some ex- exceptions. We always spend the summertime in the Psalms, and yep. so we did Exodus or we did Genesis in the spring of 2018, and then pushed to Ephesians in the fall of 2018. Mm-hmm. So the idea was we'd spend time in Exodus already. Um, so it was kind of like that was the thought, um, but the more time, even just in preparing for the series, um, the more I felt just the weight of it and the significance for for us today, our particular church family, um, but also our life in this city. And so, um, yeah, so a lot of that excitement even grew in just in the preparation time in the yeah. past few months. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, uh, at the end of the day, what I was seeing in Exodus and, and what I'm excited for us to be focusing on over the next few months just has to do with uh, what does it mean to be uh, the people of God Mm. in the midst of a world and a city uh, that is marked by uh, brokenness, marked by um, pain, marked by sorrow and suffering, even even where there is beautiful things and exciting things. What does it mean to be be the people of God in the way we relate to him, the way we relate to one another, the way we relate to the world? And really the, the first five books of the Bible were written by Moses preparing the people of Israel, the, the people of God, to understand what that meant. And so uh, the more we pressed into the book, you could begin to see, I began to see like, man, this is in terms of bondage, in terms of um, what, you know, the, the Bible term idolatry, like this mm-hmm. idea that we're all worshiping all the time, yeah. uh, but largely... Um, <laughs> Your Bob Dylan quote on Sunday, yeah, everybody gotta, serves somebody. You got to serve somebody, yeah, right? right? You got to serve somebody. And, uh, and even, you know, I mentioned this in, in a couple of the services on Sunday, 
John Lennon had a quote. Uh, he wrote a song in response to that. Dylan wrote that song in, in 69 or 79. Serve and, Yourself. Yeah and, yeah. and then Lennon wrote a song in response called Serve Yourself. Right, right. Right. And Lennon actually really looked up to Bob Dylan. Yeah. He, he thought Bob Dylan was like an idol of John Lennon's. And he was he was like vitriolic in this kind of Serve Yourself. It was a demo in a studio where he's just this kind of really angsty uh, pushback against Dylan's song. But it's interesting, even even for John Lennon, this sense of there is nobody that you should be serving other than yourself. Mm-hmm. Like he has a line in it that says, there's no room service here. <laughs> like you should never be crying out to anybody else for help. you got to serve yourself. Yeah. And the book of Exodus is going to say the exact opposite. Right. Like you're actually, we're in desperate need mm-hmm. for deliverance from bondage. We're in defer- uh, desperate need for deliverance from um uh, even our bondage to our self-centered worldview. Mm. I mean, we talk a lot about the David Foster Wallace quote where he talks about everybody's worshiping. And one of the most destructive things is this worship of self on which this kind of our whole society is built, this mm-hmm. sense of self-worship where we're at the center um, and the destructive power of it. I think, you know, in that famous speech by David Foster Wallace, he says, like, these types of worship will eat you alive. And I think it's true. So we as a people experience that sort of you know, in the Exodus terminology, bondage mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Um, our friends, our neighbors, our society at large uh, is in some ways really blind to the bondage of yeah. this sort of like self-centered worldview. And Exodus is about what God's doing to deliver people from that bondage through his work for us. Mm-hmm. And then to actually redeem us, to guide us and provide for us through the wilderness while we wait for him mm-hmm. to come again and make all things new. Yeah, And so that's what I'm excited about is like, how does that make sense for bondage? How does it make sense for life in the wilderness? Like before Jesus comes again, there's still pain. Right. There's still difficulty. Um, what does it mean to believe that God's present with us right now? Mm. He provides for us right now, mm. not always what we want. So there, there's a ton there, some stuff that might be worth talking a little more about, but yeah, no, I think I feel it's relevance here in Denver. It's easy to feel as if we're not in the wilderness, right? We're, we're able to numb and distract ourselves with a variety of things, whether it's food or the mountains or just the nice weather or whatever, like we we can try to create our own Eden here. And so, uh, Exodus is, is providing a counter narrative that feels more real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's more descriptive of our experience, but it's not, uh, it's not what we want to hear. Yeah. And I think that those are the most, um, this might seem a little sadistic. Uh, <laughs> I really like preaching about things that people don't want to hear <laughs> yeah. uh, because it pushes against worldviews in ways. If the word of God it challenges our worldview so significantly, it probably demonstrates how much we need it. Mm. And, and that's what I felt even for my own life, my own story, uh, my propensity towards self-reliance, my mm-hmm. propensity to kind of like try to build my own little Eden in my own life and try to kind of make, make life awesome for myself and for other people. Um, and just the reality that that's like, what does it mean to shepherd my own expectations, but also through the word of God to shepherd other people's expectations of what are you actually looking for in life and, and who are you relying on mm-hmm. in it? And, and so that, that for me, honestly, at the, at a personal level, the idea of living and leading through the wilderness mm-hmm. has been a really powerful theme uh, for me where God's been really convicting me, challenging me, um, pushing pretty hard on some of my own self-reliance and, um, and I think our church needs it really bad. I think our city, I think the mm-hmm. church needs it really, really badly. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it breaks my heart when I, and, and I mean that literally, or not, not literally, but it like, it actually makes me sad when I hear this theme of like everything, everything that you need, you have within yourself. Right. Uh, Cause I, I, 
I think of Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? Right? right. Like you can get pumped up on that for weeks or months or maybe even years, but eventually you realize, no, I don't have everything I need within right. myself. And, and that's the story of the people in this book. Yeah, exactly. I mean, every time they, they tend towards self-reliance, you see the, the futility of it. And, uh, and yet that's still like the inclination of my heart Absolutely. every day when stuff gets hard, like, yeah. all right, work I got harder. it. Yeah. Work harder. Right. Yep. So one of the themes, and this is, you know, maybe jumping into some of the other, yeah. the other things, but one of the themes that I feel most challenged by, um, even in, even in terms of what you said about we're, we're expecting Eden, we're trying to get to Eden mm. is between, between deliverance from bondage and this like promised land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah. There's this life in the wilderness. And the New Testament will talk about that a ton as the Christian life. Hebrews chapter three and four talk about it a lot. This experience of like, what does it mean to trust God in mm. the wilderness? And it'll use the people of Israel's grumbling and complaining that we'll see pretty, pretty significantly uh, in the story. It'll use it as, as a demonstration of faithlessness because of which, a faithlessness because of which they were not granted permission to enter the rest. Mm. And so what does it mean to actually have a faith and a trust in God in his presence with us? The rest that we already get a taste of through the spirit and the love of God for us. Um, but, but to know, like we haven't fully entered rest. So this theme of our tendency, and I think this is true in other cultures, but especially in Denver Mm. to try to create an oasis in the wilderness. And there are times actually in the story where God does lead them into a little oasis for a little while, for a few days, and then they're back and they're lacking water. They're lacking food. There are uh, enemy armies that are opposing them. And, uh, and what they tend to do is get really frustrated with God, really frustrated with one another, really angsty and antagonistic towards one another. Moses gets really frustrated with them and he gets frustrated with God in the sense of like, it's because they expected post redemption, like from it to go from redemption to promised land awesomeness. And it doesn't, and it, and it doesn't for us today. So I think back to your point, um, it makes more sense of our reality. What does it mean to live through this paradigm of even, even once you've been liberated from bondage, um, what does it mean to actually believe that what, what God's called us to is to trust him in the midst of the wilderness Mm. when he hasn't provided enough water to build an oasis, he's just provided enough water to help us endure. Yeah. And, uh, and actually the lack of water at times, meaning the suffering and the tensions and the frustration and the pains, the challenges, which the Bible uses like trials and temptations language. Um, the trials are designed by God to help us learn to trust him. And we tend to respond with just frustration, <laughs> grumbling. And so I think the Israelites get a bad rap because of their faithlessness. <laughs> and it's like, no, this is our story. Yeah. Yeah. I think of that song, Reckless Love, that we sing sometimes. Uh, There's no shadow he won't light up, yeah. no mountain he won't climb up coming after us. Yeah. Um, and he uses trials to come after us because he wants our hearts. Right. He wants our reliance on him. And uh, that's painful. Yeah. And, you know, I, I talked about that a little bit this past Sunday in the kind of launch sermon um, and, and got a lot of a lot of conversations after the services because of the pain of that. Right. Like mm. it's hard to understand the intentionality of God behind the pain. Yeah. Um, why would God do that? And it's like, that's, I mean, it's a great question to say, why wouldn't he liberate them from bondage and bring them right into the promised land? Why 40 years in the wilderness? And, and part of the 40 years, you know, like they were consigned to it because of their faithlessness, like the slowness and even that first generation's um, inability to enter the promised land. Uh, And at the same time, it really does point us to Jesus, to his redeeming love, to his presence with us, but also to know even in the pain, God is pursuing our hearts even if, even if it's not 
to what we want. Yeah, tell, tell us more about that, because you mentioned Hebrews, uh, where Exodus ties in there. You talk about how it really points us to Jesus. Just give us a bigger picture. How does Exodus fit into the whole scope? Yeah, I mean, I would say probably at maybe two levels. Um, first of all, you know, to understand the Bible as one overarching story, right? And so, you know, we talked about this on Sunday also. Exodus is part two of a, of a five-part series, basically, by Moses. Uh, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. And so to understand it stands not as this isolated kind of compilation of some random stories mm -hmm. with some good moral kind of like gems to pull out and apply to your life. It actually stands primarily in a, at the first level as part two of a series through which we're understanding um, the God of the world, his design for the world, why brokenness exists in the world because of human rebellion, how far that curse has affected every nook and cranny, every kind of like square inch of the world, and then God's mission through the offspring of Abraham to bring redemption to all of it. And so to understand that foundation that Genesis lays out helps make sense of, okay, here's the offspring, here's the offspring, the descendants of Abraham, these 12 tribes of Israel, uh, which just blow up in this massive community of people in Egypt. Um, so like the family's growing, it's spreading, it's filling Egypt, but they're in bondage, they're in brokenness and corruption and decay, not just from the kind of outside pressure of the Egyptians, but even their own hearts are still broken, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is so evident through the whole story um, with every character in the story, um, except for God and to see what God does through his own power to redeem them. And, uh, and so at one level, you're seeing the beginning of the people of Israel uh, from which the savior is going to come. Uh, and, but on a second level, you're also seeing it as a paradigm, like a shadow, call it a type, um, which is like a paradigm that's going to make sense of something that's yet to come. Mm. And so this experience of bondage, deliverance from bondage, life in the wilderness, and then entry into the promised land is going to help us make sense of, of what Christ is all about, mm. the one who delivers us from bondage. In Exodus, it's through this sacrifice of this spotless Passover lamb. Jesus is going to be presented as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who delivers us from bondage. I mean, words like redemption, so freedom from slavery, salvation, freedom from danger are going to become key words to help us understand what Christ has done yeah. for us. And so there's all these little shadows, these little pictures in Exodus, uh, really in epic proportions and really dramatic proportions with some really iconic scenes that are familiar, even in broader culture. Oh yeah that are going to help us make sense of what Christ has that actually happened in history, literally, but also happened under the sovereignty of God to set a shadow of a picture of and the Bible where there or a theological word, a type mm -hmm. um, that would be fulfilled in Christ. That would actually point us to understand the significance of what Christ has done. So on that second level, understanding it's not just an old story. Um, it's also a paradigm through which we're supposed to understand our own story. Yeah. And so the need for deliverance from bondage, the presence of God in the wilderness, the purpose of the people of God to be this kingdom of priests and this holy nation that actually show the love of God and the holiness of God and the character of God to the world mm -hmm. as a people through whom the whole world is supposed to be experiencing blessing through us, through the way we live by the power of the spirit. Um, but also seeing the way that the trials um, shape and uh, develop our own trust in him or on the temptation side can lead people to fall away from him. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, Hebrews, Hebrews is going to pick up that theme. Matthew picks up mega themes from this and the understanding of the, the life and the ministry of Jesus, especially in the first five chapters. 
is going to look at Exodus as a paradigm to understand Jesus's life. Hebrews is going to look at it as a paradigm to understand the church's life. Paul's going to use things like the water from the rock to understand mm -hmm. the life-giving provision of Jesus uh, for his people as mm -hmm. the one who gives us water in the same way that God provided water from a rock. So it, it's really powerful for us understanding. There's so much there, and yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm preaching. But. <laughs> no, well, t I mean, there is so much there. I know I've read maybe half of Echo Echoes of Exodus, which talks about some of the themes that you were just discussing yeah. there. Um, what else do you recommend for resources? Yeah, um, yeah, Echoes of Exodus is great. Um, that's uh, Andrew Wilson and Alistair Roberts. They're essentially using the Exodus theme and understanding the Exodus theme rightly as one of the governing paradigms through which we understand all of life and the way it repeats itself throughout scripture. And, and these are really, I think a beautiful and, a, and appropriate analogy as like scripture as music. Yeah. It's kind of like, especially jazz and these different themes that kind of come together with this crescendo in Christ. Um, so it's fantastic. It's really accessible. It's very relevant. Um, it's not overly heady. No. It's not like a Bible study book. It's yeah. just taking those themes, connecting them to Jesus, and connecting them to our life. So I, I, we have that one on the shelf um, for the series. I highly recommend it, uh, even in helping people make this sort of like interpretive jump from what they're reading in Exodus to their own life. Mm. How do we understand that? Um, there's another book that has been really interesting, The Life of Moses by James Montgomery Boyce. Um, which isn't specifically a commentary on Exodus, but um, it, it walks through the life of Moses, a, a lot of which is developed in, in Exodus. Um, I found that to be really, really helpful. Um, we, we put out this this notebook, um, this Bible study notebook. It's the second time we've done this uh, that I think is, is a fantastic resource. Yeah. I mean, we helped create it, so <laughs> I, I, might be, I might be biased. If it's not, we wasted a lot of time. Uh, so... Um, but I think it's, I think it'll be helpful. So especially for people at our church yeah. to make sure they grab that to utilize, um, we're pulling together a ton and, and a shout out to Neil Long who put so much effort and mm -hmm. energy into that, mm -hmm. um, into that resource. So there's a few things there. And then I, I don't know, for a lot of people, they aren't pre predominantly readers. Like mm -hmm. the main way they're going to glean information isn't predominantly reading more books. Um, so there's a ton of, uh, like videos on it. The Village Church has a really cool six-minute video that gives an overview of Exodus that I think is fantastic. Um, there's an organization called the Bible Project, a nonprofit, and they have um, really kind of two sets of two, so really four videos um, that kind of walk over the whole story of Exodus in ways that I think are really healthy. My kids love those videos. Yeah, I do I mean, too. I have, yeah, I do, yeah, I love them. <laughs> I love them. I showed yep. them to my kids one night, and uh, I was like, that we watch part one. And I'm like, we'll see how this goes. It's like six minutes. And they're like, let's watch the next one. And I have a nine, a seven and a four year old. And so all, all of them were just engaged in it. Um, I think those are really helpful and might be helpful tools for people. Yeah. Good. Um, well, we will link to all of those on the show page for this episode, which again, you can go to parkchurchdenver.org slash park dash podcast. And you'll see Gary's uh, picture there. Just click into the, the show page and, uh, I'll list out all the resources there for you so you don't have to go searching for them or rewinding the podcast to try to, wait, what was the name of that book again? Just just go to the show page and I'll link everything up there for you. Um, anything else that you want to say? No, I think we're excited about it. If you're if you're listening to the podcast, just to be praying, um, yeah. I think that's what I keep feeling is um, we can't, we're not sufficient to yeah. get ourselves through the wilderness. Like we need, we need Jesus desperately every day. We need him as leaders for wisdom and for sustain, uh, just to be sustained. 
um, but all of us as we lead, as we love, as we live in the city, like we need him. And so just be praying that God would, through, through this series, develop our confidence in his ability to redeem, his ability to provide, and, and to trust his promise yeah. that he's going to come again yeah. and make it all new. Amen. Thanks for your time, man. Amen. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Uh, that'll do it for uh, this month's episode of the Park Church Podcast. I don't know what we're going to do in February, but uh, you'll know when it comes out. So uh, I hope this was helpful as we think about Exodus and, and, and the series and the next four months that we're spending there. And uh, I will talk to you again in February. Thanks for listening. See you.